John here. It's time for a CCR bonus episode. Coming to you live from Toronto, Canada, this is the Classic Camera Revival. If you don't have gear acquisition syndrome now, you certainly will after listening to our show. Hello, this is John, and I'm here with Bill Smith. We recently had the honor of speaking with M, who is the creator of the Emulsive.org film photography resource. It's an incredible website. We're in an era which, in some respects, I think is the golden age of film because there are so many resources that weren't available in the pre-internet days. These are the days that I remember. But I think M's contributions stand head and shoulders uh, in, in the field. There is just so much value that he provides the community. We are so lucky to have him. And Bill and I were very happy to speak to him recently. M, thanks for being on the show. And my first question for you is... Where did Emulsive.org come from? Well, um, the, the site, yeah, it's, it's equal parts frustration and, and equal parts me wanting to kind of get out there and interact with a, a community that I hadn't really connected with at all um, in the past. The, the, the frustration side is, um, what's the best way to put it? it? It's being told that what I was asking was uh, wrong and or stupid. Uh, by various uh, various people that I'll, I'll describe as forum jockeys. Yeah, you, you know the guys on on nameless uh, nameless internet forums where you post a, a question and not not a newbie question, by the way, um, asking about uh, uh, push processing or combining various processing methods or, or ways of shooting, uh, only to be shot down by some ne'er do well stuck in the mud, you know billion year old photographer who says that well unless you follow Ansel Adams's um uh preachings <laughs> to, to the nth degree you're not a photographer and everything has to be serious so I I kind of got quite sick of of, of being told that um it, it uh, I'll be honest, it, it kind of did put me off going into the community at, at large because for me, that was the photography community. Um, I hadn't dipped into anything on um, Twitter or Facebook for that. And Instagram for me was was essentially pictures of people's feet or pictures of pictures of their food. Um, so it was it was kind of, well, you know, th this this thing here is really pissing me off. If this is the way that everyone's like, then do I really want to be? A part of this and I, I discovered some some wonderful people out on the internet and and decided well no I didn't have to be a part of that but I could be a part of and perhaps contribute to something much bigger. I have to agree that sometimes the online experience is frustrating and I almost despair sometimes seeing people argue and put each other down and get you know all fundamentalist almost religious about uh, some aspects of yeah. film photography it just doesn't do the the film community uh, a service. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it's true. And even even usage of, of certain uh, terminology seems to trigger uh, trigger some people. Um, I I remember reading one guy, and he said that he he refused to use um, Kodak Triax in in anything other than a, a Leica rangefinder because that was the film that was made for that camera. 
and try has no benefits other than a street photography film in, in a rangefinder format. And it's like, well, okay, so why, why did Kodak bother making 120 or do uh, 320 TXP. It's just, it's just really, it's really, really strange behaviors. And and I have to say, I mean, this is going back, um, this is going back about ten years, maybe maybe a bit, maybe a bit longer. Um, where you know you, you had the folks from the the BBSs who'd migrated to this weird internet forum thing. The whole idea of uh, reasonable language and and um, understanding that that text as a means of, of pushing emotional context by itself is 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 not that good um mm. i think had had really developed to a point where people um realized that the real need for an etiquette and a, and a very almost a very district descriptive way of of talking um in those internet forums you, you, you'd have people just leaving very curt responses which, which still happens today but i think it's very uh, it's it's much less compared to to what it was have you had an issue with comments like that on emulsive.org um as, as far as the comments go not really i mean that, that's the one thing that really surprised me about about emulsive the the people who who comment on articles and, and engage in discussion are, are generally just that they, they behave just as they do on on Twitter or in um, in the more uh, kind of salient um, Facebook photography groups. Everyone's just very pally, chummy. Um, people are asking questions. People are learning. The, the the few, very very few comments that I've had where where people are kind of flying off at the handle, um, I've just had uh, you know, separate quiet words with the poster or, or just literally just actually just called them out on the page and ask them why they're being a dick. Um, that, that tends to resolve stuff pretty quickly. Generally, if, if you, if you push back on, on someone who's um, literally just pumping vitriol and negativity, generally they'll do an about face. Um, they'll mm. realize that they can't get away with that. Um, but I, I think we don't call people out enough on that kind of, needlessly negative behavior so do you find you get more feedback on the emulsive website proper or through facebook uh on your facebook page or uh through the communities like say negative positives which seems it's... to have become the the sort of de facto group by, <laughs> by a, 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 the film po- film photography podcasters for other film photography <laughs> excuse me other film <laughs> photography <laughs> podcasters Say that clearly. <laughs> no, it, it's absolutely true. I mean, um, yeah, Mike, Mike, and 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 latterly, Mike and Andre do a do a fantastic job, and the the, the volume of podcasts that goes out They're is gone. just yeah. You 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 take a quick bathroom break fifteen minutes later, and they've released three episodes. You know, <laughs> um, but on on top of that, Mike's doing. You know, Mike does his daily face casts as well on on the the negative positives Facebook page, which is hilarious. It's normally just him, you know, low angle video camera pointed up with a beer bottle in the way, kind of somewhere. I, th- I think it's fantastic. But um, I think he's probably doing it from his phone. I think so. Yeah, that's not a that's 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 not a bad point actually. But um, no, to 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 answer your question, the feedback that comes through on the websites directly um in terms of feedback on on articles and stuff is probably probably has the lowest volume but the the richest content 
um, mm. people will, will will take a bit of time to to put together a, a full reply. In fact, I just I just had a a huge reply on a on an article that I posted yesterday as my as my first New Year's resolution, um, which is a, a a guide on essentially just understanding what you need in order to build a. A photography website in between. Actually, I was just gonna sort of uh, head that direction. Um, mm. uh, have you found the content on your website has evolved over the years? Because I have noticed, and uh, the two articles that have stood out for me is one, the how to build a website, which again, I take that's what you do as your day job. And I'm in marketing communication, so I kind of sort of work with people like you all the time. And I look at that and I'm going, this is a, something I can share with clients saying, look, it may be about photography, but you insert your own industry here. These are the questions you got to ask. And, al and also the other article that really uh, stood out for me was the one using uh, photography as a means of dealing with loss and grief. Um, mm -hmm. I could say film photography got <clears throat> me through my dad's passing uh, back in 2005 and that's when I wound up with his M3 and uh, Nikon F. And I did, that's when my photography sort of kicked into seriously high gear. Well, that, that's um, actually that, that particular article was the, the last <clears throat> of a few that were dealing with um, mental health issues and mm -hmm. photography as a, uh, as a, as a means for healing. Um, not, not the only option, not the only thing that you can use but but maybe one in uh one one in the bow as it were um, yeah and if if you if you enjoyed that one from simon i'd really i'd encourage you to have a look for um uh, black dog just do a search for black dog on okay so it's, uh, it's where um robert uh, davy talks about his um essentially lifelong depression and talking about how Talking about his fugues and his um, just his just his life, essentially, um, mm. how photography fit into that, and how film photography is kind of helping him through things today. It's a really, really candid, really, really powerful piece. Um, mm, no, it, it's it's very it's very very uh, well. It was very kind of of, of Rob to uh, to put that together. It it took it took a a bit of time and a, a few edits to kind of get right and to make sure that it wasn't hitting a completely um, negative tone all the way through, which is, which is how things can feel sometimes if you're talking about, if you're talking about mental health yeah. or, or the, the negative aspects. Um, but to answer your question, yeah, the, the, uh, there have been a whole bunch of topics that I've wanted to cover, which I have, um, which I've wanted to cover, which I haven't. Um, and which I've wanted to cover, but haven't done as much as I, uh, as I feel I could have done. So I think in terms of evolution, for me, there's, there's a couple of aspects. There's, there's my voice and, and how I write. And, and obviously writing for the, you know, writing for the website helps me develop my own writing style. Um, <clears throat> but there, there is certainly an evolution in, in topics as well. Um, and, and for me, last year, the focus was on, on mental health, and I'm hoping to, to keep that going through for 2019. But talking, getting, getting people to open up and to talk about these issues is, is you've got to be very difficult. You, you can't, it's not, it's not like asking somebody if they wouldn't mind reviewing their camera, because um, they're, they're, they're very personal and they, 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 they can 
um, very quickly trigger people in, into essentially spiraling back down to, to, to where they were. Yeah, very true. Um, the other thing I've sort of noticed is, again, and again, I'm, your, your website's been part of it, sort of the, the, the building of film photography communities across the world and cross borders. Like I belong not only to Classic Camera Revival and the Toronto Film Shooters, which is sort of our de facto Facebook community, for lack of a better term, but I'm also a member of the Film Shooters Collective. And uh, I've met some lovely people through that. In fact, two of them came up to one of our photo walks last summer, like totally off the, off the cuff. And they just drove up from New Jersey and it was a, it was a real pleasant surprise. And it's like putting the faces yeah. behind the, the avatar, so to speak. Yeah. And I'd yeah, love to the, see more of that happen as time goes on. I think, I think physical meetups are really, really important. And um, if you, if you look, if, if I remember rightly, probably from around um, March, April last year, we we started seeing more people arranging uh, meetups, which were much more regular than let's say once a year. So let's go and do a, a photo walk in New York, you know, and then we'll do one next year and next year and next year. And you, you've got um, you've got services like photowalk uh, um, mm-hmm. which is which is run by Martin Smith in the UK. Kodak have really come out with um, with more of their uh, sponsored walks and obviously now you've got the Kodak Camera Club you've got the great work that the FPP have always done although although yeah. relatively relatively local to, to where they are um, and now you, you have people like Bill over at um, C41 the C41 studio podcast who's who's now I think he did two photo walks last year and he's he's got another one arranged just I think it's in a couple of weeks actually um, middle of middle of Jan I think so I think I think that the physical aspect is really important and I think as the communities grow um, we'll see more fo- photo walks and I think we'll we'll see more uh, disparate groups of photo walkers kind of meeting together and, and organizing um, those combined walks i think um in terms of why that's happening i I think over the last two years probably three years specifically there's been this you know we've gone from living in essentially islands of online communities whether that be at the um fsc or whether that be um in at emulsive or japan camera hunter or 35 mmc or at the at the the ccr website or or on the fpp and, and suddenly there's this realization that, well, hang on, that there's not just a few people doing this stuff. There's literally dozens of, of communities that are out there. Um, and I know from the, the, the people I mentioned just now um, and from my side, there has been this drive to try and um, I think unify the communities is, is, is probably the wrong word, but just bring everyone closer together. Um, and, whether that's whether that's from people cross posting on on other community websites like i did a, a couple of posts for um bellamy and I, I did a post for a couple of posts for hamish i know that um a whole bunch of people have posted on various other websites and it's kind of slowly stitching you know, it's kind of stitching everything together um so i think that that's something that's that's been growing over the last couple of three years and I think it's something that's just going to keep on growing until we get to the point where someone says all right we just need to have a we need to have a con you know <laughs> we need to have a film photography 
at some point. It's it's definitely it's it's definitely something that's going to happen. I've been asked about it for well uh, for maybe two two and a half years now. Like, when are we going to do something, and where are we going to do it? Um, yeah, maybe just sort of put together a clearinghouse of photo walks. Like when Toronto Film Shooters does a photo walk, I always posted negative positives i also posted film shooters collective and a few yeah. other spots just to say hey if if you're just passing through that weekend this is where you can find us and right that, and that, that, that cross-pollination is fantastic and i know that's something that um the photo walk.me has has been trying to do not not only just just saying okay we're going to go to Brighton in the UK or London in the UK or Scotland, um, but also trying to get other photo walk kind of events organizers just to just to post a, a link on that site so that you can just see on one one page, you can just see everything that's going on. Yeah, so uh, like a virtual a, calendar. It, it, that, that's essentially what it is. Um, yeah, I, I think it's uh, I think it's a. Uh, a really good idea. I know that, uh, that it's had it's had some success, but again, it just needs it needs people to be aware of it and people can use it and and upload to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thankfully, it's quite quite an easy process. I jumped through it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, um, and we should share that in our show notes. Do it. So, what do you have planned for twenty nineteen? <laughs> I just finished 2018. I'm knackered. I've got no idea. <laughs> um, no, I, I've got uh, I've got a couple of projects um, just coming off the back for 2018, which I need to finish. So I've got my my Hasselblad Opus, which is uh, it's looking like it's going to be a, probably a 20 odd part um, complete guide to, to to the system. So I'm I'm still writing that. Um, there's what else i've got hopefully three or four community interviews lined up which is a uh, it's it's something i started a couple of years ago where um i essentially connect with with somebody in the industry and then organize the community to ask them questions all of those questions are then posted uh, through myself and a panel directly to that company um, and they and they they come back with with replies. The idea essentially is, it, it's very very rare that you'll have um, the difficult questions or the important questions answered by the likes of uh, Kodak or Lomography or Cinestill or, or or whoever. And this is is just me acting as a, a conduit to say, look, we've got these guys locked in a cage. Give me your questions. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll make sure that they are. You know that they don't overlap, and that you know we'll do all the editing work around that, and then we'll we'll get this company to give you answers to those exact questions. Um, when I, I kicked it off with um, <laughs> uh Ilford, Kodak, Alaris, um, still waiting for feedback from Billingham and Intrepid. So if you guys are listening, I want your answers. Um, and <laughs> and yesterday just saw the the close of a a three week um, kind of. Uh, question submission window with the with the brothers over at Sinistil. yeah i was it's a pity you already uh, covered kodak because i did have one question is are they ever going to bring back plus x <laughs> is that is that a serious question or are you just trolling <laughs> oh i don't know i 
We're jonesing. I missed that film. And it, I, it, and if, I, if I'm on a guess, it's like, if they ask me, what film would you like to bring up? And I'm hoping at some point, somebody at Kodak, Alaris, whatever agency they're using to manage their social and they're doing the analytics saying, wow, there's this like bump for people wanting plus X. And I'm hoping, <laughs> you know, yeah, we just keep going because Trix is lovely. But sometimes you want something just a bit slower that's not T-grained. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, exactly. And if you look at if you look at Ilford, <sighs> they have they have both um, uh, T-grain and, and, and traditional grained films w- within most of their speed brackets. Yeah, and you know, I've, I want to shoot more with FP4 uh, going forward once my Acros uh, stash da- is depleted. I think uh, I think my one big fear with Ilford at the moment is what's the whole Brexit silliness and how it's going to affect them. Mm. Mm. There's been well, it's not it's not something that I can comment on at the moment. Yeah, I know it's a, it's a delicate topic, but again, uh, you know. if only Fuji could be convinced to bring back Across One Hundred, there are a lot of people grieving about that film. Just mm. for one day. Oh, I've been listening. I've been I've been listening to Bowie recently. Um, so um, I, I think I think the interesting the interesting comparison. Well, a, a lot of people consider Ilf- uh, Kodak and Fuji to essentially be um, identical types of companies. Uh, one which managed to somehow magically get through the digital crash, and and one which just managed to get through by by the skin of its teeth. Um, the reality is, is that they are completely different companies. Mm. Fuji bought the end of film, <clears throat> and they pivoted, starting from the mid '80s, late '80s. Um, most uh, most of their their uh, film technology now is invested in cosmetics and in other uh, chemical design. I mean, it's it's essentially a chemical company that happens to have a an optical division. Um, mm. So, and and those guys are cutthroat, and so and, and the the they're right to be. If they if they hadn't done, if they hadn't pivoted when they did, the company wouldn't be around now. Um, whereas Kodak, for good or for bad, stuck to its guns and, and ended up where it is. Uh, my my gut tells me that with with the Kodak guys um, announcing and releasing one film this year, and finally releasing a film that they announced a couple of years ago this year. Uh, this year by this yep. year I mean twenty eighteen. Um, <clears throat> I think it would be. It would not be within the realms of dreaming um, to see them re-release an older, another older film, either in 2019 or in 2020. That's my mm. that's my gut feeling, because it, it makes sense that there is a there is a big hole there in a uh, a low speed or low to medium speed, um, not t you know not t grain film um, in in 35 mil format at least, and I I wouldn't think that all of their um, R&D and effort is being pushed towards getting uh, Ektachrome tested and out in, in 120 and 4x5 format. Speaking of dream territory, I would just love if Kodak could bring back the infrared Ektachrome slide film. That was so much fun to, to work with. <laughs> that might be more fun, but... <laughs> so, M, are you up for some rapid-fire questions? Yeah, do it, do it. First camera. Um, my first camera was, uh, if I remember, it was a 110 uh, thing 
from a box of Kellogg's cornflakes. You, you know, the ones where the cartridge fits into the back. It's got like a half shell on the front with a, a little meniscus. Yep. And then the flip up, the two flip up frames. So that, that was my first camera and probably my, my second and third camera because I probably wanted to get the same one from Frosties and Cocoa Pops as I got from Cornflakes. Favorite camera? Uh, yeah, that, that's, that's a difficult one. Um, it's, it's, it's probably going to be my 2000 series uh, Hasselblad. Oh, nice. Yeah. Your favorite emulsion to shoot with? Color or black and white? Um, can I do color and sure. black and white? Yeah. Um, so right now for color, um, it's probably Fuji Provia 100F in 120. Nice. And black and white is really tough. Um, I'm going to go with FP4. Oh, nice. Yeah, and Good that's in 35 mil. Your least favorite emulsion? Uh, Rode Vario Chrome. <laughs> There's no question. It was it's missold, um, completely missold. Uh, the the marketing behind that was just shocking. Selling selling an expired film as a new as a new film, completely misleading consumers. I mean, it's just it's just wrong. It's absolutely wrong. The film for 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 me, for the way that it was sold, is completely unfit for purpose. It has it has a market, um, but it's it's what it's essentially a ten year expired um, slide film oh. was left in a warehouse somewhere. Um, it, it's unrefrigerated and God knows. I mean, it's it has if you're if you're used to shooting the um, the Rolay. Uh, the the CR the Rolay Chrome stuff, which was based, I believe that was based off of a um, Ferrania or an Agfa slide film, which didn't have the um, what is it? it? Didn't have an orange layer, so you get like a softer earth tones, and it's you know if if you like that kind of thing to your slide film, then then eat your heart out. Vario Chrome will give you what you want, but the fact that it was sold as a new slide film just it just sticks in the throat. I'm not mm. happy, Bunny, about that one. Is there a camera that you hate? <laughs> I, I I don't think so. I think um, I used uh, a couple of Russian rangefinders years ago, and just just really disliked seeing uh, using them because yeah, I, I, I'm an SLR shooter at heart. I like seeing what I'm shooting. I like seeing the depth of field and all of that kind of stuff and people will say oh no you you need to visualize you need to listen to adams <laughs> you, you need to do all of that kind of stuff but um using using those older russian rangefinders with those tiny or you know almost kind of pinhole viewfinders uh, as someone who wears who wears glasses i just i just found them to be just unusable for me so i, I wouldn't kick them into the river because i know that I know that people, uh, th there's a lot of love for those cameras out there, but I think that's probably as close as I would get to, to deciding I would hate a camera. What do you see as the biggest risk for film photography? Um, I think it's the, uh, I think it's the uncertainty over how sustainable the, the chemical supply is 
um, for, sorry, my, my TV's just come off mute. There you go. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think it's um, the uncertainty surrounding the chemical supply market for, uh, for developing chemistry. And, oh, and the whether whole or not. The issue with tentanol? Not, not really, no. No, I mean, uh, tetanol's bankruptcy, well, bank, bankruptcy protection announcement in German came out in, when was it? It was August, mid-August, I think. Uh, I remember getting sent a link and just thinking, not, you know, it, it's, it's sad news, but it's, it's not a big deal. They need to restructure because they, 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 there was an issue with, with one or, or many large orders, which, uh, which they didn't. They, they they weren't able to fulfill. Yeah, one I, or another. From that, I from what I understood, I think it was like two suppliers flaked out on them, and then they were left holding the bag. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think my my my, um, my viewpoint on the chemical supply um, actually goes goes back to well, it goes back to a conversation probably about a year and a half ago, um, and it's you have. Um, companies out there who are used to creating chemistry on a, on a, a massive volume of uh, global uh, uh, film labs who are who are who are developing God knows how many hundreds thousands tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of, of rolls a day between them and with the lab infrastructure decimated <clears throat> that 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 um, requirement for supply. It also diminishes and whilst you have protection for for people um in the us because you have people like sprints who are out there making chemistry um and whilst you still have people like tetanol out there making chemistry the the the, the problem for me is is that the producers of chemistry um have diminished as well so the volume has mm. diminished and the number of companies producing has diminished which makes which makes the the situation which makes the the position for the supply end of the industry very, very, um, well, volatile, I guess. Um, mm. And I think tetanol is a case in point where you can say, well, one mix up or mess up with an order, which probably wouldn't have had an effect 10 years ago, um, has had enough of an effect to push this company into wanting bankruptcy protection. Um, mm. So yeah, it's 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 not that statement isn't driven by tetanol, but I think the tetanol situation underscores the problem that we have. Yeah. What concerns me is the cameras, in particular the electronic cameras. Once they start breaking down, you can't get repair people for them. We're stuck. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and what we've almost kind of we've almost swung back to the early 1900s where you have people making their own cameras and very very small you know you could describe them as boutique manufacturers making cameras the issue being is that these cameras are of a very very limited complexity um, in comparison to what we've been used to so if you look at the fm3a as the the pinnacle of mechanical engineering from nikon well now we can go as far as build something like the mercury or the Intrepid, or the Bellinis, <clears throat> or the Chamonix. So we're, we're, we've now gone from being able to make these really complex 35 mil cameras to going back to making large format cameras because they're the easiest to, to make. And until, yeah. until someone steps in and either, either pulls patents out of their, out of their backsides um, 
or steps up and creates a, a new manufacturing base for mechanically complex 35 mil and, and 120 cameras. Um, well, I think it's going to be difficult. One can hope maybe the Pentax K1000 is public domain in another few short years. Yeah, the patents, you can then need someone in China, because it will most likely be China, that has the capability of building such a, a machine again. No, it, it, it's true. I think the, I think the, the problem, I, I'd, I'd love for, for Nikon or Canon uh, to make, to make a, another film camera. I, I think the issue that we have is that the ability to do that, the technology, the, the manufacturing technology, to do that is, is gone. It doesn't exist anymore. And I don't um, think they're interested either. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, look at the F1, uh, not the F100, look at the, the 100th anniversary celebration. Uh, when was it? 20, 2017, I think. Mm -hmm. 2017, and they, and they released that, that, that ridiculous um, reproduction Nikon F. I mean, if they had, if they had the ability to to release a limited edition camera and sell it for three, four thousand dollars a pop, um, they they would have done, but they don't. Yeah. So they. I'd love to get my mitts on one of those reproduction Nikon rangefinders they did some time back. That's ten years ago. <laughs> yeah. Was that was that was it really two thousand two thousand eight two thousand nine they they did the uh, the SP so I thought that was like two thousand and three or two thousand and two I don't know but I got a friend of mine in my camp two thousand right yeah I think it was more like two thousand three two thousand four a friend of mine in my camera club has one and I was just like he brought it in one day and I just looked at it going oh my god this is like I've seen these <laughs> in photos online but never seen one in person. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. It was like it came out of a time machine. They are beautiful, though. I mean, they are absolutely stunning. How about a film that is no longer made that you were pining for? <sighs> hmm. Hmm. Yeah, three. I think I was going to say no, but you've made me think of three. Um, Aerochrome, because hmm. I love it. I, I just, I absolutely, I'm, I'm stockpiling that stuff <laughs> and it's, it's wonderful. Um, uh, Ectochrome 100 VS, uh, just Ooh. because I love the, 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 the saturation. I just love that palette and it's really not, not for everyone, but it's, um, it just gets me every time. And <clears throat> I, I didn't appreciate the film until it was discontinued. Um, at which point I cross-processed a role, loved it, literally fell in love, and then started shooting it. And that was um, uh, Provia 400X. Mm. I think we, really, we, we, we don't really need <coughs> a slide film, but uh, we, we, could, we could do with one. Mm. Well, something for Kodak to consider, because I wouldn't hold your breath with Fuji. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll see... Um, We'll see variation in ectochrome for for a good few years, if at all. To be honest, I think we'll we'll probably likely see a variation in speed as opposed to a variation in color palette. Um, I'm happy they have it. Period. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I'm just waiting for it in 120. But I'm sure they will do. I think if you, uh, I've raised this point um, 
a couple of times on different podcasts and on social media. And I think if you look at, so the most recent uh, Kodak um, film release was Ektar, uh, was, was Ektar 100. So that was available in, in, in what, 25 and 50 and 1,000 and whatever, years and years and years ago. They killed it, they bought it back. Now, in between it coming back in 35 mil and then 120, and then 120 and 4 by 5 there was a gap of um, around about eight or nine months. Hmm. So 35 mil to 120 was eight or nine months, and then 120 to 4 by 5 was eight or, eight or nine months. So, and that, that was Kodak as they were back in... When was that? 2010, I think. Yeah. Um, so imagine Kodak as they are now, obviously wanting to do the same thing because you'd, you'd be mad not to. Um, so considering their resource, I've, their, their current resources, I think we were probably looking at yeah eight to 12 months um, for each one, um, mm-hmm. for each new version to come out. Is there a camera you don't have that you are pining for or lusting after? the next lens the next camera is always the grail camera the, the grail lens um i thought i thought mine my grail uh, lens was the um aero xr the 178 2.5 um i was wrong <laughs> that that was that that was two years ago and I've, I've still been buying cameras ever since but um uh, honestly though i have i have been thinking about this quite a bit over the last few months like what would be the the camera to end one specific kind of gas. And for me, it's probably going to be uh, the Fuji uh, GX617 and probably that, that 90 mil uh, Fujinon, the, uh, the uh, what is it? The, the, the SW. <coughs> I think Absolutely we all do. amazing. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're fantastic. And I, I kicked myself. There was a, an eBay auction from a guy in Australia a couple of years ago, and he put it up for the equivalent of, of one pound. And um, I missed, I, I missed even just bidding for it. And it ended uh, at, at one pound. So 99p. Oh, and that was the, the camera, the, the, well, that, that was the G uh, not the GX, but it was the, the Cap 105 lens. And that, that would have been good enough. <laughs> was the person who got it for a pound named Alex by chance? Maybe. I would not Cheeky be surprised. Bugger. Cheeky bugger. We joke with Alex Laux on our show because he seems to have a habit of getting great gear free, like a certain Rolleiflex 2.8. Wow. Which one? A planar. Yeah, some so, some people are just some people are just re- <clears throat> really lucky. Yeah, you, know, you get you see posts on social media where someone says, "Oh, I just got gifted." You know, as the the film camera guy, I just got gifted this particular camera by my neighbours, and I just I just but well, I, I have neighbours, but no one's <laughs> no, no one's ever given me anything. What the hell's going on? Yeah, why can't I find an M three at a garage sale for twenty five bucks? <laughs> yeah, the guy thought it said like uh something like that. Uh unfortunately, um for the for the listeners out there, I'm sort of dealing with the uh, beginnings of a cold. So unfortunately my synapses are just aren't firing at at optimum rate. So I think this is where we kind of uh wrap it up. 
Em, are there any links or sites or podcasts you'd like to share? Um, well, I, I don't know how, how I feel about advertising a podcast on another podcast. Go for it. <laughs> you, you notice how I said that in a really kind of low and sullenly voiced, please, can you... My, 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 my books on how to win friends and influence people are working. Um, so so back, in, um, back in June last year, uh, Hamish over at 35MMC sent me a message saying, um, I think we should do a podcast. And after a, a bit of back and forth, where we both ultimately agreed that it would be a good idea, we recorded in October this year. And it took me two months to listen to the recording because I'll be frank, it's, it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. It's an hour and a half-ish of just talking about Hamish's haircut and gas station um, and 120 millimeter film um, and, and a whole bunch of other stuff. But we, we decided to, to bite the bullet. So I've um, cut it all up and put it together and actually done pretty much zero editing to it. And it's, it's going to be released, well, today at the time of recording. Right on. Again, that will be in our show notes. One more question. If you're out with a film camera, do people stop and ask you if you can still get film for that camera? Um, ooh, the last time I was asked that was uh, about a year and a half ago. It was a long time ago. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 used to get, I used to get asked that question quite a bit, but there are, there are so many people um, walking around with, with film cameras that it's... I, I, think, I, I don't think people understand the distinction. I think now it's, it's, just, oh, it's just a different design. Um, funny, funny thing is I was in Malaysia just, uh, just over Christmas, and I was in Malacca and there was a lady taking a photo and there was something really weird about her taking the photo. And it was because, as I noticed, right, right at the very end of staring at her for like 10 or 15 seconds, she's uh, shooting a Zenit. Oh, wow. And it's just, just completely normal, completely normal. I think I, I saw a couple of other film cameras or at least things that looked like film cameras. They're, they're probably Fuji XTs, to be honest with you. Um, but, but yeah, I don't, I don't get asked that question anymore. So, Em, we're going to end it here. Thank you very much both for being on our show and for everything that you do for the film community. Thank you very much for having me. It's really appreciated, guys. Okay, well, have a great day, Em. I will, I will do my best. You too. Enjoy, enjoy the, the rest of, uh, of January the 1st. Okay, have a great one. Cool. See you, guys. Bye for now. We hope you enjoyed this bonus Classic Camera Revival episode. We'll be back soon with our regularly scheduled February episode. Until then, keep shooting. <laughs> <laughs>